afternoon. Welcome to Why Is This a Thing? Hoppy do near everyone. That is the wrong program, sir. Yeah. Hoppy do near to all and to all a good afternoon. What's up, guys? Well, that was cute. That was cute. Yeah. You know, the first time I ever heard it, the happy do new, do near thing is from you guys. Is that all it is? Is it? I, I never, yes, it is. Yeah, right. Okay, so I was like, "What is this? A, is this a something <laughs> real? What is thing, it? I don't. What are you guys talking about?" <laughs> so I've been very confused every time you say it because occasionally I listen to Two Cents because it's amusing, right? Uh, and I, have which no, is confounding yeah. that you listen to. I'm that. curious. It's confounding. I like hearing Rob wax poetic about like like space turds that are floating around and like like uh, going going fast and then stopping all of a sudden like a mua mua. Or Would you like to called. weigh in on the AI conversation from last episode? Did you get? To that the one. artificial intelligence thing i did yes i did uh yeah bring it on i don't care okay <laughs> i hope we're in a simulation you think we're in it yeah okay maybe, maybe. <laughs> right i think that's like the only opinion yeah, you can have on if, it yeah, right what am i gonna do about it yeah i'm just gonna i'm gonna think about it for you know like five minutes and i'm gonna continue drinking my coca-cola and i'm good right yeah you're artificially flavored Coca-Cola. it's delicious yeah it, 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 it what's that what's that line in the matrix like i know this steak isn't real i know that the matrix is telling my mind that is juicy and delicious but over 10 years you know what i've realized oh ignorance is bliss it's great code yeah it's great, great code, code. Yeah. yeah it ain't bad <laughs> uh you got a coke i got a pepsi look at that cheers Red versus blue, my friend. Red v. blue, baby. <laughs> the blue wave. Uh, Bob Saget died. Oh. I feel like a lot of people have died since we last recorded. A lot of like very Like an insane people. amount of people yeah. have just suddenly <laughs> dropped dead. And I feel very responsible and guilty. I, <laughs> I well, feel I like I've set off a chain of events. Like... <laughs> Like Betty White was Bob Saget's last Horcrux or something. <laughs> oh my god! Well, I finally, I finally listened to that show because I was like, well, there's a lot of hoopla on this going around in the Discord because I was curious. Yeah. And people I, were losing their shit over that episode. <laughs> but if you listen to that episode with the context, you know, if you listen to it after Betty White has died, which the, there's which no other way to do it, obviously, yeah, everyone did because it was exactly. five minutes before. <laughs> Exactly. We recorded it five <laughs> minutes before she croaked. The illusion was strong, by the, the way. The sound but... waves that we admitted through the air what are the ch- gave her a stroke. What are the chances that the moment Nick said it, she died? I think that's exactly yeah, what happened. Yeah. yeah, I think that's precisely how <laughs> you, it went. You put a hex on her, yeah, <laughs> you I... bastard. It was weird. You know, it was weird, guys. I don't maybe know. It's Death a power. Note. Maybe Death Note isn't so stupid. Exactly. It's a power you don't want to like discover that you have, you know? Mm. Like you don't want to see where that goes. One of these days I want to be at a party and I want to tell someone to drop dead because they're just pissing me off and I want them to just fall over. <laughs> they just keel over like, like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> just call Rob up on Jitsi. He'll be all set. Drop dead, Rob. Oh god. Nick, I feel like you should be the one here to to eulogize Bob Saget cuz I feel like you were the biggest fan. What? You were a big Bob Saget fan, <laughs> weren't you? Wait, what? I don't. I don't know if that's accurate. I feel like you were. I, th- I feel like you. No, we, we've had I many was, conversations about Bob Saget. I was uh, stunned when I heard his first comedy special. Is all yeah. many years ago. Uh, the, the first comedy special that I had seen. To be fair, yeah. um, I remember him from Full House growing up. 
And then uh, I saw his comedy special on Comedy Central. It was maybe, I don't know, like 2010 or something like that. He had one. Mm -hmm. And I was just like shocked at how filthy he was. And it blew my mind. Yeah. And that probably is where we began talking about him. Yeah, he's. But uh, I, I don't know if his like comedy's really aged well no. for anyone. <laughs> Full disclosure, I just don't like Bob Saget's comedy. Oh God, uh, the well, list is going swimmingly. <laughs> this is going great. Well, here's the thing. Like, I mean, his entire. <laughs> His entire brand was, I'm the Full House guy, I'm the America's Funniest Home Video. Like, I am Disney, ABC, friendly dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he gets on stage. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's his whole comedy bit. That is sure. the bit. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, and he just, he doesn't try to be funny. He tries to, it's just shock humor. Well, yeah. He it's just what, says, I'm going to fuck a goat. And people go, oh my God. It's what you, yeah, it's what you bring into the going to see his show, the context of like the full house thing. But I never watched full house. So it's different uh, from my perspective. Right. right. All I, all okay. I can think of, all I can think about is uh, half baked and him just getting up in the middle of a crowd and being like, you ever suck dick for Coke? I always I think about I that too. I have not. <laughs> I suppose I have. It. What does he say? <laughs> I think so. I think something. And like I that. love the guy. Boo this man! <laughs> boo, boo him! <laughs> That's like, yo. Can we do dirty work next week? Dirty work? Do we have time to do dirty work next week? I don't know. You ever seen Dirty Work? No. I haven't. Uh, Bob Saget directs. Really? Norm Macdonald stars. Norm Macdonald oh. stars. I think we ought to do it. Don Rickles shows up. Is, oh God! Wow, a lot of dead people let's do dirty work next week <laughs> all dead people that's amazing i think we got to do it yeah sag it uh I, I remember i don't know if you do nick but we were in either middle school or high school i don't even remember who the kid was but just any- yell bob saget yes who, yeah. do you remember who that was i have some guesses but i don't i can't I, say definitively it's yeah. one of those memories i'm glad that we have a shared memory because yeah, i may yeah. have just made it up for all i know but i remember a kid in like middle school or high school that anytime like he needed to use an expletive but couldn't because of the context he would scream bob saget as though it was an expletive do you know why he did <laughs> yeah because yeah. i know why i did that why uh because there was a series of videos called tourette's guy oh. yeah tourette's guy would do this thing where he would just be like oh bob saget <laughs> okay yeah so, fuck salt like fuck salt you don't remember that fuck salt never heard <laughs> that in my bash. life there's like a thing of salt and somebody like gives him the salt and he's like fuck salt he just bangs it off the table <laughs> oh, like, shit, that man that is like it off the table oh it's that cool. is like prime 2007 youtube right there that is classic internet gold right there yeah oh. So I imagine Tourette's guy didn't like think it through that much, but I do think that's kind of a brilliant sort of distillation of Bob Saget's career. That one bit, (laughs) you know, this idea that here's a man that so desperately wants to yell fuck in a crowded room, but, you know, Uh, has to settle for the censored version. I mean, that's sort of the entire performance of his life, right? The most filthy comic ever trapped in a never ending loop of cat videos. You know, a family friendly cat video beloved by every grandma in the nation. It's it's really like a fascinating thing when you view it that way. It's kind of like this. It's like it's a Dante's Inferno, you know, like, oh, yeah, be careful what you wish for. Exactly. Icarus. He's the story of Icarus, really. Exactly right. Precisely. He just flew too close to Bob Iger. And that was (laughs) it. A Disney machine, man. Yeah. It, fascinating career. Isn't it funny? Have you guys seen the aristocrats joke that he did? 
No. Okay. You know what The Aristocrats is, right? I think so. Nick, do you know what The Aristocrats is? Is that a film? Uh, There's The Aristocats. It's not The Aristocats. (laughs) I I always assumed it was like a book or a film or something. So The Aristocrats is a joke. Um, It's a joke. It's a joke, and and I'm not quite sure who invented it but I, I i believe that the urban legend goes that it's johnny carson's favorite joke okay. and it's this joke that uh uh cannot be sort of done in mixed company right you just you can't do it it is the filthiest joke imaginable and the whole purpose of the joke is there's this punchline and the punchline is just the title of the joke the aristocrats but everything leading up to it is sort of like free jazz right it's it's uh, the opportunity for comics to sort of riff amongst themselves and sort of uh see where their perverted minds will take them by trying to dream up the most disgusting vulgar um uh, violent sexually perverted image possible right um i won't go into detail because i I, i'm not going to tell the joke but the idea was for years and george carlin said this like this is a joke that comics should just say behind closed doors don't do this on stage don't do it out in public this is just you know for us because again like it's it's nothing but free-flowing filth yeah uh well pendulette made a movie about this joke called the aristocrats and the idea was get a hundred comics and have them tell their own version of the joke. Mm. And the, the the whole premise of it, you know, it sort of hinted at, you know, ideas of free speech and censorship or whatever. But it also proved that comedy is not all about the punchline. Comedy isn't all about the joke telling. Comedy is about the destination. It's not about the destination, but the journey to get there. And the idea that, you know, uh, Gilbert Godfrey and Thelonious Monk are not that far off, Right. Music, comedy, there, there's this improvisatory, free-flowing element to it. Um, and Bob Saget's version of this joke, along with, I think, Gilbert Gottfried's, are the two standouts from that movie. And if you go on YouTube, you can see Bob Saget's version of The Aristocrats. And it was one of the things that went around on Twitter that day that he died. And uh, it's just it's funny in to a me, negative like, way. Was it people like trying to be like, fuck this guy. I'm glad he's dead. Or No, absolutely ooh. not. As sort of okay. a laudatory okay. way of like, OK, you know, okay. you might remember him as America's dad on Full House. You might remember him as the host of America's Funniest Home Videos. But I remember That's him not his legacy as, right. you know, the <laughs> the king of the aristocrats. Mm. Uh, I think actually Gilbert tweeted out like rest in peace to my fellow aristocrat. Uh, I encourage you to watch this joke. It's it's so interesting what stuff sticks. You know what I mean? Like when Betty White died, people started talking about password. It's like, you know, Golden Girls, sure, was there, but it was like Saturday Night Live, her appearance on Saturday Night Live, and password. Uh, you know, Peter Bogdanovich died. You know, you, you, I heard a lot about like his novels. Uh, yeah. Sidney Poitier died. Um, you know, obviously you heard Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and whatever, but... Uh, yeah, the, the Aristocrats. Nick, you would love this movie, Nick. You would love the Aristocrats. Well, Pendulette might be the smartest human being alive. Anything <laughs> well he touches. Pendulette, yeah. Yeah. Very well might be. I would trade Albert Einstein for Pendulette. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Which Albert Einstein? You know, <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> Which Albert Einstein? <laughs> oh, God. Do you see the Super Dave doc? They did a doc on Super Dave? Oh, shit. No, I watched The Rescue, and it was phenomenal. Uh, Oh, it's really good, right? Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. It's really good. Uh, But I did not see the Super Dave doc, no. 
Yeah, it's fun. It's just Super Dave bits for an hour and a really? half. Really? And like, you know, Larry David and, and is like Albert Brooks David Letterman. It? Yeah, he's on. Oh, great. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Apparently, they didn't love each other. And well, they loved each other, but in their own way. In the way estranged brothers love each other. <laughs> right. Apparently, they fought a lot. It was kind of right. awkward when they got to those parts. I wanted to know more. Really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, it's a separate doc. Yes. Yeah, we'll get a separate doc on that. The the Brooks brothers or the Einstein brothers. No, yeah, the Einstein brothers. The Einstein right. brothers. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's uh Yeah, it's it, it's it's a puff piece of a documentary just cuz it's, oh. you know, made by people that love them or whatever. And it's just a bunch of people that love them talking about how much they loved them. Yeah. But I wanted to know more. It's like it, they didn't work together after Modern Romance ever. That was the first and last time they collaborated on anything. Really? Yeah. Fascinating. Oh, yeah. Really? That's kind of sad. Yeah. Well, they got to do a more like, you know, they got to got to be a little more objective. Get someone who hated both of them. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I can't I, I can't stand Puff Peace docs for that very reason, because almost invariably I'm like, I, I need to know a thousand more things that you're you're not willing to give me. And right. Because yeah. they gloss over yeah, exactly. it. of like, you know, I think like Sarah Silverman had one line in it that was like, yeah, they really a lot happened between them. That's all she said. And it's like, well, make that movie. Yeah. I want to yeah. see more about that. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, Super Dave, the best. It's on HBO. It's like an hour and ten minutes or something. Norm McDonald only referring to him as Super Dave is the funniest thing. Yeah, no, so was, Super Dave, can super. you read this joke? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Super Dave. <laughs> no, everyone called him Super was his first name to a lot of people. Yeah. He was Super. <laughs> Pop Einstein is one of my favorite human beings. Oh, I miss that guy. God, a lot of guys just drop. A lot of comedy guys just dropping left and right, no, man. No. It's not For great. Real. It's yeah. no. Yeah, I don't. Something's. Like yeah. And like Norm and, and Saget were like best friends too. Like I when Norm died, I listened to Saget's podcast and he he's like bawling on the he's like he's just crying his eyes out and talking about how much he loved him or whatever and wow. Makes me so sad. I listen to that stuff. It's like yeah. we, we haven't really talked about the fact that like Bob Saget just passed away like randomly. Randomly. Yeah. Yeah. Like In very um, sus- I would say suspicious circumstances. I mean, we don't know it, the full story, but it was a little like you hear the headline like dies in a hotel and you're like, what was going on there? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, anytime. I mean, like you, if a guy like that, if I heard he overdosed, not surprised. If I heard he, uh, you know, had a heart attack while banging a hooker, not surprised. <laughs> if I heard he committed suicide, not surprised. But for him to just like keel over and there's no like yeah. cause. Yeah, it was very bizarre. They said that maybe a heart they, attack or a stroke. Maybe a heart attack. Yeah. Okay, it's just yeah. there, there Man, was nothing out of left field. Yeah, there were no signs of anything. How old was he? Sixty-five. Sixty-five. Real oh. young. Just got cra- his. It's just crazy. Got his I, senior discount. I was just looking up because uh, I was watching Aliens again, and I was like, you know, I fucking miss Bill Paxton. But that was another one of those deaths that just kind of crushed me because it was so random and didn't make any sense. And it shouldn't have happened because it was during like heart surgery or something like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. like these are the kinds of deaths that like, you know, they do actually really bother me, even though like I'm, I can't say like I'm a I'm the one of the the cultist members of the Bob Saget crowd. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you hear about that, it's like, ah, oh, shit, you know? Well, there was a ridiculous amount of, of, of like positive stories and like eulogies yeah. from famous people too. Like it's, it feels like everybody was his best friend when you yeah. read these things. Yeah, like yeah, everybody yeah. was like, he's one of my best friends, one of my best friends. And it's, it's like, really he had this much time for everybody, but <laughs> there was not a single negative thing I saw anywhere wow. about him. It's just like, Super nice guy, great dad. Um, Everyone's best friend. That's crazy. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it was. Uh, 
Yeah, I think I I read like Ben Folds was it was like very good friends with him. I saw like his Facebook. And I'm, yeah, and I'm reading and I'm like, it, it actually he referenced in the in the paragraph. He's like, if it feels like Bob had a million best friends, that's because he did. Like everybody was his best friend. Like he was just that type of guy. He would like write handwritten notes to people all the time. Just like, yeah, God, you know something uh, that would suck. Yeah, I don't want to be everyone's best friend. I want to. I want to. I want to. You know, disperse that properly. You know, you have any idea how many fucking weddings you have to go to? It's a lot of work. Yeah, no, a lot of work. it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. You don't, you don't realize how much you're gonna spend being a best friend. That sucks. <laughs> True, man. <laughs> being a best friend's an expensive proposition. It really is. You're so right. <laughs> you're so right. <laughs> Uh, gotta buy him Brian Regan tickets and shit. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, <laughs> this week. God. By the way, I'm very excited. So pumped! Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're going on Thursday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope you guys don't mind a Thursday show. I figured neither of you were doing anything else important. So nothing going on. Now. <laughs> I have jury duty on Thursday. What? But I should be out by then. Are you serious? I'm 100 percent serious. I have jury duty. What's the case? Do you know what the case is? No, I don't know anything. You just show up. Okay, right? well, just like you know, just just say something that forces you to get recused or something. That's you gotta my get plan. out of there. Yes. Yeah. What what could you possibly say? What is the <laughs> 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 what is? It really like, depends on the case, you know. <laughs> what's the tamest racial slur that I could drop? You know, oh, like God. what's what's bad enough to get me thrown out of jury duty, but not uh, bad enough to like lose a career? Can we? bleep a few things coming up are you willing to do a little more editing <laughs> i would say what uh, word would you recommend if it's if it's a white guy you just call him a honky or a cracker <laughs> how about if it's a woman you just say broad broad just be like you know i don't really like broads and then they'll just get rid of you you know yeah, yeah. whatever you know come just in with a gold you- chain and a pinky ring <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> or it's like, you know, if the if the crime is like if it's like a robbery, you just be like, you know, I kind of think robbery's okay. <laughs> I'm kind of a fan of robbing people. In this COVID climate, I'm robbing. Do I just it's wear an Antifa shirt? Ooh. Just tell them you're exposed to someone with COVID. <laughs> Here's the thing though, I kind of want to be on a jury. That's, that's no, you thing. want to be on like an OJ jury. Obviously. You don't want to be on a regular jury. No, no but I just want to kind of do it. You know, I want someone's fate in my it's hands. It's not going to be 12 Ooh. angry men. I really you're do. not going to be. You're not going to be sitting there like <laughs> with one holdout trying to convince him. <laughs> Everybody's just going to be fucking bored. Want to go home. You're not going to make any fucking money. <laughs> Could be like over property taxes or something. It's miserable. Yeah. Oh well, I hope it's on TV. I mean, I I would love to like watch like this highly publicized uh, uh, proceeding, and then you cut to the court, and there's just Nico sitting there, right. doing whatever. By the way, you should come in wearing a MAGA hat. <laughs> That's the move. Yeah. Just go MAGA hat. <laughs> Get Larry David <laughs> MAGA hat style. Everyone wants to sit there. Away from it you. is. You know something? I don't know if I want to sit next to that guy. Larry laid out the game plan. <laughs> yeah. That's all I got to do. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. I, or you just say, you know, like, I'm a Nazi. I don't believe in jury duty. <laughs> I don't believe in doing my responsibility as a or citizen. Do, yeah. And I'm going to sabotage this trial. No. Okay. I've decided. <laughs> I've decided. I'm definitely going to do everything I can to get put on this jury. I definitely want in. I want in. <laughs> 
I want to see what it's like. You gonna do your research? You gonna interview the guy? I want. <laughs> I want what, someone's what if, fate what in if my the hands. Guy, what if the guy is Brian Regan, and you both have to get Ooh. to that show that night? Mm, that's a good idea. Ooh. What if would, that, would you have to recuse yourself if you have tickets to a show that night? Be like, probably. <laughs> probably a conflict of interest. Well, now that you mention it, I also have to go to jury duty on Thursday at 8 uh, p.m. for some reason. It's going to be at the Ridgefield Theater for some reason. I don't know what's going on. Wow. <laughs> that Brian Regan is a crafty guy. Adam, you want to tell him your address while you're not home, too? Everyone listening? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you can buy anything these else you want to publicize. Where's which window's closest to the computer? <laughs> <laughs> so if y'all wanna, <laughs> you what excited for do? this show? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm excited too. Yeah. It's gonna be a good time. Yeah. Abby's excited too because she had, she had no idea who Brian Regan was, mm. which is fascinating. And then she uh, watched comedians in cars getting coffee. Loved mm. the guy. Loved. Him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I would. Uh, I'll recommend some specials for for, okay. for y'all to watch together. Yeah, he's he's one of Nick and I's favorites. I know. Might be our one of our first ever bonding experiences. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I think the reason I respect Brian Regan so much as a comedian is I consider him as funny as any other comedian I've ever seen. But he's not filthy. Mm. No, and that is a special talent. I think. I mean, it's very rare. Yeah, it's all him. It's all. It's just persona. You know, and that's not to say there aren't other comedians who are, who could be just as funny without filth, but it takes a lot of balls to do it. Oh my god! To be like family friendly and still like one of the funniest guys out there. Well, it is family friendly, but it's not. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it, it's still sure. comedy for adults, even though like children. Yeah, it's can not meant. It's not meant for kids, it. but there's no. There's no yeah. yeah, you have to have adult. You have to have adult sensibilities. Yeah, to, yeah I think find that's, the things funny. Right. Yeah, there's that's, no harm in putting a kid in front of Brian Regan, but yeah, to to get him, yeah, you need to have sort of this aged anger. You yeah, know? <laughs> to, like life experience. I think that's kind of the yeah. brilliant thing about it yeah. is like there, you can tell so many of his jokes. I mean, wh- what is the main use of profanity on stage? I think in general, the main use, if it's not a crutch, is to convey some sort of anger, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's to convey that your character is in some way frustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are several instances in Brian Regan's jokes where, like, you could definitely use a fuck every now and again. <laughs> yep. you know? there, there are definitely, you know, emotions put on display that would, you know, in, in the hands of most comics, like a Bill Burr, for example, would just go way over the top and use every variation of every swear word ever. And what I think what he does, which is so brilliant, is he does write jokes as though he was a filthy comic, but he traps himself in the box of can you make this clean without sacrificing the laughs? Mm-hmm. Right. Jerry Seinfeld's similar in that way. And he mm-hmm. he's talked about that many times, too. It's like I, I used to use fuck on stage and one time I did and it felt like I was cheating. It felt like I was getting uh, a laugh where I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. Right. Okay. So, like, a lot of guys are just like, oh, I'm the kid's comic, and I'm going to make kid humor. But that's not what it is, you know? It's yeah. it's uh, it's good. Just dumb fucking donkeys. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, you know, it actually doesn't work as well. Doesn't work! No. It's worse. Doesn't work as dumb old donkeys. <laughs> dumb fucking donkeys not as funny it's just not it's not no. um do we have something else to get to oh we have to announce the winner of the uh oh yeah 
Uh, Nick, you won. Congratulations. Yeah. Woohoo. <laughs> yeah. Right. Another second place for you, huh? <laughs> Adam's first ever fourth place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Congratulations, Adam. Dead fucking last. I I went out of my I, I mean, I I mean, obviously I was going to get fourth place if there were four people and I was sabotaging my list. Mm. Uh yeah, I hated my list. I really hated my I hated my list so much I didn't vote for myself. It's actually kind of impressive that you set out to come in last and did. <laughs> it's hard to because do. I, there was I mean, you had the worst chance of coming in last that you've ever had playing this game because we had a whole extra person. I guess that's true, yeah. Who had never drafted so, before. However, right. you got to think Zach would have an advantage on the field here. Yeah, that's true. He's thought long and hard about his name. Mm. He was kind of a wild card. Mm. And there was a pun in there for the uh, savvy listener. Mm. But uh, we'll skip over that now. It's kind of upsetting, <laughs> though. There's no excuse. Well, me? he picked Zach Wild. That's the that's the oh, that's wild card. It's a uh, pun. Uh, now I explained the pun, though, so it's not as funny. So the savvy uh, listeners don't feel any savvy anymore. You kind of killed the vibe. Boo this <laughs> man! <laughs> <laughs> that's such a funny. <laughs> that was a very good use. <laughs> it's right off the soundboard. I had it right there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> you know what? You know what I should do? I should take all of the sounds that you guys have on your soundboard and mm. just record myself doing them, oh, and then put them on bad. my soundboard. That's not bad. <laughs> uh, it's just you humming the Matlock theme. Oh man! Finger of God. <laughs> Finger of God. Is there an F? Jonas, son of a son bitch. Of a bitch. <laughs> it's the Suxo. <laughs> just all it's the whole script from twister oh, that's good stuff i'm so happy twister made its way on your guys' soundboard oh no, adam you don't understand it's like five clips it's got it's got a whole row <laughs> it does it's but it really it's does a- here it is right here finger of god is there an f5 jonas Son of a bitch. There's more. This sucks up. Ooh, the extreme that came from his brain. What would that be like? Uh, hey there. <laughs> hey there. One of my greatest disappointments is not being offered that show. It's oh god, I love that movie so much. The Suck Zone. It's such a great movie. Uh, uh okay. Um, should we get into it? Is there anything else you wanted to? How, how are your your holidays? We're good. Everybody's good. Everybody's healthy now. We took a week off because everybody was sick. Well, I did contract syphilis. <laughs> right. You did. So there was but that. that was like three years ago. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it just flared up again. All right. Let's let's continue. <laughs> I remember that from our swim team days, Adam. Oh god. We all had to get out of the pool. Oh no. Had to pour Eva- more chlorine Eva- in there. Evacuate the pool. <laughs> It's just like syphilis bubbles just floating on them. Adam's got super syphilis. (laughs) Were the girls shaving him in the bathroom again? (laughs) Uh. Man. Uh, okay. 
<laughs> yes. Uh, happy Hodorowski Hanuary, everyone. It's back! Yeah. Oh, yes! I can't, I can't believe we're doing this again. I'm we're so, doing it again! Oh, it's I back. I don't think that's the right music, but... <laughs> it's the go-to month music. Literally, oh. it's just anytime we're doing anything themed, just thriller. It's it, it's per- it makes It makes perfect sense. Oh man! Hey, it's another Adam recommendation. Aren't you guys so happy? Uh, yeah, I'm excited to be back in Hodorowski Hanuary. This is great. Me too. Anytime you're great. not recommending John Waters, I'm I'm ecstatic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there is still one other John Waters film that we will be getting to at some point. I'm sorry. Ugh. It's one one other. We can do it. So uh, this is something we tried last year. We only did two Hodorowski movies last year we did what are considered his uh more iconic classic films yeah Mm -hmm. if you can even say that about a guy that really has made a career out of being an underground midnight filmmaker but yes el topo and the holy mountain his uh his two classics were both from the 70s Mm -hmm. uh hodorowsky did have a run of fairly mainstream films or was given a shot a few times uh tusk is kind of a children's movie right adam yes it is and i have seen tusk and i actually didn't mind it although the viewing experience was actually very strange given the fact that the only way you can really view the movie uh is through like a vhs copy on youtube that's right it looks awful i mean it's almost unviewable sure you kind of settle into it after like an hour (laughs) so it's not yeah it's not perfect uh i yeah i didn't mind it at all um he also made a movie called the rainbow thief with peter o'toole uh, omar sharif christopher lee yeah that's right that's right that's right which was kind of like a hired hand job his only like studio hired hand a a hired hand job Uh ah yeah exactly interesting probably many a hand jobs in that film uh, unlike the one i didn't get in greenwich village in the middle of the night oh right <laughs> greenwich village hired hand job uh yeah uh so he makes that movie and then in, in between that is santa sangre but that's after holy mountain which is like a horror movie. Yeah, but that was earlier. That was in the like yeah, yeah, still right? earlier. Yeah, but the Rainbow Thief was his last mainstream movie, so we thought. Well, he disowned that movie too. Hates that movie. Hates Tusk. Hates that movie for the mainstream appeal of it all. Okay, right. The, the guy's very anti-money. Yeah, <laughs> as is explicitly stated at the beginning of this movie. First couple seconds of the movie. Right. So uh, yeah, he makes that. Uh, I think like shows up as an actor in a few independent movies, and maybe makes like a short or two. But uh, that film, The Rainbow Thief, in 1990, was thought to be his final film. Until, I guess, Hodorowski's Dune comes out. Uh well, that's like the next like notable appearance of him, and perhaps it inspires him to start making movies and i think it's actually implied in that movie that that kind of gave him the willpower to go ahead and do something else and right. as a result you get the dance of reality yes at this point and it, it has well, been he, 23 he was working years. on he was working on like a comic series though between right so after like the disaster of of trying to get dune going right uh he you know he has a lot of like storyboards a lot of ideas that are all kind of crazy and he wants to do something with them so he develops this very popular and very important comic series called the inkle 
mm-hmm. which is they're still trying to adapt into a movie today, but as pro- it'll it'll happen twenty mm-hmm. years from now. Uh, but everybody like he it, it, it kind of be- made him become well known as a, a graphic. Uh, novelist I guess is what you would call him and that was where I guess a lot of his fame came for like the next 20 years after Dune so he's got this like strange like split career as like a filmmaker an artist a poet and also uh, um, a a comic book writer in a weird way and a tarot card reader and a tarot card reading he has his own tarot cards and stuff like that right and many references to them in his movies particularly in this one yeah Uh, and yeah he's a he's a little he's a little out there little out there. So <laughs> it's 23 years in between Rainbow Thief and this movie. Yeah. Uh, at this point in time, he's 86 years old. Yeah. Uh, I think now he's, what, 94? Is he? I didn't realize he was that old. Shit. He's in his 90s. Damn. He's very, like, we might have a news story about him having a heart attack in a hotel room any day Oh, now. God, I hope not. Like, he's, he's an old man. I'd love to see him do more stuff. But yeah, he was born in 1929. Oh, yeah, he's 92. He's 92 years old. He turns 93 in a month. Holy shit. Holy shit. Go Alejandro. I love this Alejandro. He's an old guy. Yeah. So he's inspired to, yeah, scrounge together some cash to make this uh, very personal passion project of his. Very personal. He gets $3 million to do it. Uh, Don't know how. Don't know who he convinced. Don't know, uh, yeah, who's uh, Palmsy at Greece in order to get this thing made but he gets it made in his native country of chile and uh it is you know this is this a stretch i don't think so it, is this his eight and a half yeah it's even been referred to that on many instances a lot of people compare it sometimes to the work of federico fellini mm-hmm. and you know it's it's i mean eight and a half is more about the process of like you know a little bit of, obviously it's about your life but it's also about the process of making something creative and having it kind of eat away at your soul and it's not specifically about that it's very autobiographical and tells a certain story in uh uh Hodorowsky's early life as a child living in uh, Tokopia mm-hmm. uh and I think they even filmed it in his hometown too interestingly enough mm-hmm. so it's more it's even more personal and detached from film itself than that right uh, although it's got every single uh, Hodorowsky stamp imaginable, plus a, many a new ones, right? <laughs> which is part of what makes him such an exciting filmmaker. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you just have this very, very personal thing. I, I, I compare it more to like the 400 Blows Okay. in his own way. Yeah, in some ways, it's it's more mystical than that, though. Well, yeah, well that's just it, It's more fantastical. I know that's, that's his, his style, style yeah. but that's sort of, I think, where the eight and a half comes from. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, true, a, yeah. it's an autobiography with a lot of fantastical yeah, elements sure, thrown sure. into it. Uh, I think now it's weird. You have this run of like Coron doing Roma. You have Kenneth Branagh doing Belfast. You have uh, Spielberg doing whatever that movie's called. The Fablemans. Is yep. that what it's called? It's coming, coming out, out next year. You know, uh, it feels like all these guys like in their 60s, 70s and 80s have been allowed to finally make the story of their childhood very explicitly. <laughs> right. <laughs> but Alejandro does this, you know, five years before Roma even comes out. Uh, kind of on the the cutting edge of, of things as he always is. Uh, I freaking loved this movie, um, and I'm I'm so curious to see, especially what Nick thinks about this, because uh, I, I think as you said, Adam, like he is both recycling a lot of his tropes, if you even want to call them that, mm-hmm. while still adding new tricks to the arsenal, and that's what I found like so amazing about this. Mm-hmm. At 84 years old, the guy still has such creative verve. Uh, 
it, this is a really good movie and I found it moving too in a way that I did not find El Topo or the Holy Mountain um, for different reasons obviously those are I think more openly provocative where this is yep. definitely an older man's movie looking mm-hmm. back on something that's much more personal to him yep uh, really loved this thing man <laughs> really loved it yeah yeah I mean yeah this is by far his most uh I don't I, I'm afraid to use the word coherent but I think it's but I think it's the most coherent film that El I've Topo. seen of the three. El Topo's uh, up there for me. I have certain thoughts I'm on El Topo, to, but I guess I, I what I'm trying to say is those other films are uh more abstract in a way that's not as approachable. Whereas like this movie's abstract, but it still is able to communicate everything hmm. in a way that like I think it's easy to understand what he's trying to uh, Do you know Yeah. I, it's grounded in human emotion, I think. Is more what it is like. It's more grounded, and obviously they're all very emotional films in their own way. Mm -hmm. But um, I mean, I I think in the case of Holy Mountain, like that's like a really satirical movie. Like it it has a lot of like commentary on like lust for power and money. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, uh, the sort of the world's obsession with sex is explicitly uh, sort of uh, parodied and picked apart in like the mechanical vagina scene, right? Like there's a lot of stuff in there that it's like, oh, I see where you're going, but there's a real like nastiness. And again, like a provocation to it. It makes sense coming out of the seventies too, which fair yeah, enough. Space right. is very different back then than it would have been now where he, at this point has had grown his family and you see it literally in his film. It's, it's his entire family is playing a role in this movie. Yeah. I mean, this movie is family, right? Yes. This is a movie family. about family in so yeah. many ways. And you have like this weird Freudian aspect of mm. his son is playing his father, a fictionalized version of his father. Uh, and we'll get to what, Brontus, by the way. What he does to Brontus in this movie is like very interesting. I mean, it's something that you really want to unpack in therapy. I think that's what it is. It's really grounded in the language of therapy, in the language of like psychoanalysis. <laughs> he talked about that too in a few interviews. He said he said it was a psychological explosion trying to deal with directing his son as his son is playing his father, who he kind of hated. Right. <laughs> it's just and he and I guess he he is you know he's he still has a good relationship with his with Brontus, but clearly. Uh, <laughs> Well, there's also like the character that is him, the young boy, uh, is said to be by his mother, the reincarnation of her father. Right. So he, so Alejandro Horowski shows up in this film as an older version of the young boy, like behind him yep. narrating. But it's almost as if he's playing his own grandfather now, too. Right. Yeah. It's this you know really I mean? interesting yeah, generational sort of commentary. Uh, it's yeah. so bizarre. <laughs> I, I, I just can't get like, yeah, I, I can't get over how fucking weird that dynamic is though. Like it's so, <laughs> I mean, there's such a fearlessness to the way this guy mm-hmm. tackles these ideas. And I, you know, I saw a review, I think it was on the guardian or the daily mail, one of those British tabloids or whatever they were, they were reviewing this movie. It was like a short video and they talked about the nudity, the use of nudity and the use of sexuality in this. There's such like a plainness to it all. There's such like a naivete and like a oh, look at that. Like he's just pissing on a radio or like look at that. Like there's <laughs> well, there's there's such an, a, like a weird innocence to it. And I think that's the thing about Hodorowsky is like at times you feel like he doesn't think he's being provocative or he has no idea that he's pushing buttons, even though he clearly is pushing buttons. You know, there's such like a fearlessness to kind of like explore it that like all these really traumatic ideas and also 
like a real moving element to this, which is he clearly hates his parents. He clearly thinks his father was abusive. Mm -hmm. And from all accounts, his mother was just as abusive as his father. But you have this redemptive arc, like a really a truly moving hero's ending for his father. who Clearly has a lot of mixed feelings about Um, like, yeah, I, I just I, I don't know. Like, I don't think Steven Spielberg would ever have the gall to do something like that. You know, like you see E.T. and it's like he's still pretty mad about the fact that his his father left, you know, like. Oh, yeah. He didn't he's, get over it. Or anything, you know, yeah. there's a lot of stuff that and Hodorowsky's just like, yeah, like I unpacked this all in, in therapy already. Like, here it is. You know, like <laughs> yeah, there dude. really is such a bravery to it that I found quite moving. Yeah. It kind of makes me. uh kind of makes me mad in a way like i think about some of the film classes i used to take and they would talk about bravery and it was always like you know like get get really close and hug your partner actor without your shirt on or something like that (laughs) and i'm just like it used to it was just it was just bullshit i'm just sorry that's just what it was this utter bullshit include a a a tastefully placed nipple oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's considered brave (laughs) stock nipple that's very important stock nipple um uh, and I and I I watch something like this, and it just it's that light bulb moment that makes me go like, there's just something so pure here, and just unflinching, uncaring. He's so pure. It's not even about bravery. He, to him, like you said, he doesn't even know the difference. To him, it's not brave. It's just you know, it's just what I want to do. Right. Um. And it's it's crazy. Like like from my perspective, and from some of the interviews I watched about like his process, Hilderowski talks like a child. He is, yeah, yeah, chi- yeah, yeah. He he talks like he never let go of his childlike imagination, as if it was the most important thing to him growing up. It's as if he like recognized that at an early age and just kept it with him throughout the years, and that sort of fuels a lot of his choices and a lot of his creative decisions. And you feel that in this movie, it feels like it was mm-hmm. told from the perspective of a child of history mm-hmm. or something like that, you know. And it's just this weird sense of glee and melodrama and good inauthenticity if that makes sense that kind of adds to this 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 drapery it's very poetic um but it's sweet as hell Mm. and uh man yeah uh, (laughs) i gotta tell you something guys um yeah it's my favorite of his movies i think i think i agree with you yeah i think so it's so weird to say that it's so funny you 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 mentioned this idea of like you lose a step in your old age or whatever and sharp as ever right you listen to so many filmmakers you think like the quentin tarantinos or the or the or the martin scorsese's of the world or whatever and they often talk about this the idea that like they feel their death you know lurking around the corner and they're so terrified that one day they're going to lose that step. In the case of Scorsese, many of his movies are about sort of that that losing of youth, the losing of innocence. And in the case of Tarantino, it's like he's always talking about his retirement. Like one day I'm going to fucking be bad at this. And I don't want to get to that point where I'm still making movies when I'm bad at this. And here's, you know, a guy like Hodorowsky who just doesn't even think about that stuff. It just never even occurred to him that one day you can get too old for art, that you can get too old for creativity, for imagination. Let me be honest and let me be perfectly frank. Tarantino's completely full of shit. Right. 
He's wrong. I'm just going to say he's absolutely completely wrong. Yeah. And it's just just been proven time and time again. It doesn't matter, man. Like, and for exactly that reason, it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter how old you are. You could still be doing art. I mean, Hodorowsky's opinion on this is that there's really no distinction between the film and his life. It's the same thing as far as he's concerned. It's just an extension (laughs) of his life. I mean, he's, he's a nut. nut. Well, he says that like the life is is an imagination anyway. Sure. Like it's all just, (laughs) we're being dreamt. I think that's a line in this movie. Yeah, exactly. I think it would, I think it would take an entire lifetime to like understand his actual worldview. I love his world. Dude, we got to get Hodorowski on two cents. I absolutely adore. <laughs> what? But I, but I I love his purity and his amount of humanity and passion when approaching these subjects because it's just free. Yeah. You know, he's not at all concerned with ego or at least it doesn't seem that way at times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, he, he's not afraid to go as personal as possible. And again, when you when you couple that with the amount of freedom, it just make it just shows me things that I didn't think possible. I mean, there's an imagination in this film, unlike anything I've seen. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 crazy. Yeah. Um. Like it's it's another one of those instances where you know it's just a I mean it's a coming of age story sort of, uh, but kind of kind well of. it's it's the coming of age story of his father <laughs> more in than some ways, I, right? which I was very surprised by yeah that mm-hmm. was very interesting and you know you've seen base stories like this before and I, God I just <laughs> I don't have a single problem with this movie guy I'm gonna be perfectly honest <laughs> this is like one of the best movies I've seen in years <laughs> I thought it was f- phenomenal uh I'm amazed I'm amazed that he was able to pull this off at his age I'd also like to say that um is this great moment in one of these interviews I also saw where he's talking about like if it's the last film I do it's my last will yeah. uh, uh, but if I make another film it's my comeback and either one is good with me right <laughs> I don't care I'm just gonna keep making movies Really a true inspiration. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. A, it's a true inspiration for people that are like 29 and it's like, oh, I'm a year away from losing my life. You know, like I'm a year away from my life being over. And it's like this dude's 86 and is still throwing 90 miles an hour. You know, yeah, I agree. He's just a beast. He's this, a fucking beast. This is interesting, though, because like my exp- the, I and I'll, I'll, you know, wrote back around to why I'm saying this with, you know, because I, I was messaging you guys uh, during the group chat about like my feelings towards this movie. I, I made one funny comment, but like my experience with this director is interesting because I saw El Topo and I loved it, but I thought it, I, I kind of have a, a relationship towards that film similar to like my feelings towards Mean Streets where I'm like, oh, fuck it. Like, that's really good. Really, really good. But you've kind of like laid out the pieces and you're ready to make a real move. So let's see what you're going to do next. And then Scorsese makes Taxi Driver. And my experience was Alejandro makes the Holy Mountain. Yeah. I'm like, boom. Oh, there it is. There's that. Right. Uh, All in- the pieces were there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a matter of putting them together. That yeah. just, yeah, in- incredible imagination that just branches off. Because like, as much as I adored uh, El Topo, I strangely, I feel like I could kind of recommend it. <laughs> well, that's kind of what I like about it. Well, th- but that's, yeah, I don't believe that these movies should really be all that accessible. Yeah. I mean, they, they have to be this strange, bizarre, free-flowing imagination that could have only come from one person to the point where it's almost like startling. It's yeah. like, Jesus Christ, who the hell are you? And I see El Topo and I just think like, it's a very, very strange Western, but it's still kind of a Western. You know, and it felt like, okay, I see what you were going for and now kick it a little further. And then he kind of goes there with the Holy Mountain where it's like, okay, there it is. And, and we've, we've broken the gear at that point. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, (laughs) but this is more accessible. I mean, obviously there is stuff in this movie that's like horribly revolting, but that's just, that's a matter of content. It's not a matter of form. You know what I mean? But like, this is still like a, a, a recognizable sort of 
structure. Well, I guess my ultimate point is that I still wouldn't recommend this movie easily anyway. It's a little bit easier. I'm not even kidding. It's easier for me to recommend people watch El Topo than even this. Mm. <laughs> I think some people are still going to be like, dude, I don't know what the fuck that was. <laughs> <laughs> Admittedly. Well, because there is sort of like El Topo kind of has a a like a main character, clear villains, clear like through lines, whereas this movie and I think that I would probably, again, having only seen three of his films, I have a feeling that more of his, his films are like this than like El Topo. Yes. Um, yes, they are. And from what this, I've seen. Yeah. This feels a lot like, like just life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really feel like there's a plot. No. You know what I mean? No. I mean, there, there, things happen. There mm-hmm. is a beginning and end and there is a, you know, characters develop, but it, it just really just feels like a slice of life in a way. Mm-hmm. It just so happens that it's the most bizarre version of life. But it's not and ugly. Y- no. And that's the important thing. Like, you, you, you think when you watch Holy Mountain that this guy is going to get really nasty and ugly. And yeah, that's cool. That could be the point. But it, like, like we keep coming around to, like, like you, you, for you guys and, and me, like, there's a, there's a disconnect there because that movie is just like... That's a lot, you know, and I love it, but I understand. Holy Mountain you're referring to. Yeah, 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 Holy Mountain. And I, under- I understand why you guys might not necessarily embrace the Holy Mountain right away. Yeah. Um, but it's amazing how strange this movie actually is. And, you know, as long as you're, you love film, I would say, uh, it's just the easiest thing in the world to, to, to embrace. It is a really warm and, 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 and moving movie for that reason. Yeah, you say nasty, I guess... I guess it is. I mean, if you were to describe the things that occur on screen and just it like would write sound it, revolting in yeah, what in what the Holy Mountain or in either movie in the Holy um, Mountain or in this one, I think like you would say like that's just that's smut. I mean, that's just you know that's just trash. But you see it executed, and I, I think like I said before, like there is a real innocence and matter of factness mm-hmm. to it where you can tell like he's not trying to push your buttons oh. in the way that John Waters is trying to do, for yeah. example, you know, and that's just a matter of framing. That's a matter of like technique. And it, it's also, you can tell a matter of intent because I, I just think that that's what he feels. These are things yeah, that yeah. he feels yeah. and he's just trying to convey whatever it is that it, however, whatever it is that he feels. And it, isn't really a concern to him how that's received on the other end. Exactly. And that's what I'm talking about. But John I, Waters movies are about how the, they're received. Oh, he's completely aware. You and know what I mean? The, very but much the that point. is the it's point the of that. Yeah, exactly. No, and, and that's what I'm saying. I'm just, what, make no mistake, when I'm talking about recommending the movie, I'm, I'm entirely referring to like more of the layman here. Yeah. And just like it to make them understand that, yeah, I'd feel like there's some nasty stuff in here. But like for the nastiest scene in, in the movie, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, I guess there's two, but, um, <laughs> there's two big ones. Yeah. But the first, the first one, Yeah, you know, yeah, it's disgusting, but like, the, I, I feel the humanity in it. I feel the soul of it. I, I'm sorry guys. I'm sorry. But like, I know it's fucking, it, I know how gross it is, but I, I kind of went and I was laughing my ass off. But at the end of it, I was like, you know, something reminds me a lot of childhood. It's kind of beautiful. It's kind of beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. It's really moving. Sometimes you just get pissed on. I think one of the best, um, like, <laughs> examples here of what you're trying to describe is, um, you know, when when the young boy gets together with all the other boys oh and they're all God. basically, like, masturbating, right? Although they, they're masturbating. No, I think I mean, they're literally masturbating. They're literally that, masturbating. Yeah, that's a, a visual depiction rep- of something that's at, literally happening. Instead of all of them actually doing that, like, they all have um, 
like a weird like is, is it a rock or a stick i don't even know i think yeah, it's, it's like a, a this, carved piece of wood yeah it's like a carved piece of wood they all have and they're all you know doing the motion and then they tell the boy well, join us and he does it and his looks different because he's circumcised and the rest of them aren't hmm. and they all make fun of him and kick him out it's that is sort of the you know on its face it sounds vulgar but that scene yep. is incredibly innocent and it's very much just like a child kind of coming of age mm-hmm. uh, and uh learning to fit in with others and where his place is yep. and it's it doesn't come across as vulgar at all no i agree i completely and, and then like he tries to kill it's also hilarious like, the next it's also second. hilarious it's hilarious and then, yeah, and then tragic immediately afterwards exactly but then you have this moment this really moving moment of like future alejandro mm-hmm. speaking to his young self being like you know you don't know about me yet and but you are me and i am you and like it's this really like thrilling and 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 exhilarating scene uh i love that line where it's like you from my perspective you don't exist anymore and it's going to be okay right it's just that thought of like oh where i'm at now is 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 you know gonna change and i'll you know change into something you know you know a little more i don't know strong yeah the alejandro sort of being a master of ceremonies during yes, this. he is you know often that role in his movies i mean holy mountain he's kind of like <laughs> He's not really a narrator, but he's kind of like this presence that looms over the whole thing. I love him. Yeah. (laughs) But in this one, yeah, he's often looking to the camera, holding his young self protectively. Uh, Another thing that I just found like really moving every time, like he just hugged his young self. I think it's his grandson, too. So that's also part of it. Is that his grandson? I want to say it is. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. He's got. Let me see. He's got two sons in this. And then, then another son is playing one of the rebels. Uh-huh. And then I think the ki- I want to say the kid is like maybe a great grandson. Okay, could be. Yeah. yeah, I'm not I'm not entirely sure about that, but I know he has at least three, you know, the kin in there. So the the son that plays his father is the kid from El Topo. Is that the, correct? The, the naked kid we saw entirely yeah. too much of in El Topo yes. is the father in this, the Stalin-looking yeah, which, which is his son in real life. <laughs> Brontus, right. who plays Nicholas Flamel in the new Fantastic Beasts movie. Oh, is my God. Is that right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what like, uh, what yeah, a I'd, world. What a world. <laughs> you like Fantastic Beasts, kids? Well, let's go to <laughs> the dance of reality. You want to see Nicholas Flamel get a... <laughs> Brand on his testicles. Oh my god! <laughs> this poor guy, man. This poor guy. Well, yeah, but like, let me just say something. Brontus Hodorowski is amazing. He's really good. He's so good in this movie. He's really good. In this. It's it's an incredible fucking performance. Yeah. And nothing even comes close. I mean, there's a few great performances in this, but like, he's he's the star of the movie, and it's just amazing. It's it's great to like because. I had known like he had like made a lot of interesting transitions into acting, but I was kind of worried like maybe he was like scarred by his experiences with his father as a kid. I'm like, I think that- he, wor- I think he worships his father. You, mm. I think he truly like doesn't just love his father as a father. I think he loves him as an artist, like yeah, genuinely. You should see some of this, the interviews like this guy, like his, his takes on acting and a lot of the lessons he's learned through his father are brilliant. Like they really are. Like this guy is really, 
yeah, I guess it makes sense. He's had like some of the best schooling through just, you know, working next osmosis. to his dad. His entire, yeah, and osmosis, <laughs> that's right. He is really intelligent too. I, I could listen to that guy talk for hours about like his method on having to, how his performance, not just his character, but how his character had to act throughout the entirety of the movie. He, he was describing how like the character in the movie is also playing a character mm. at the beginning of the movie at least. So you need to you know, act that a very specific way and sort of dissolve it by the end of the movie while still playing the same character. And it's very interesting. He went to the Vanessa Hudgens School of Acting. You think so? Mm-hmm. He learned from specifically Vanessa Hudgens? I think that's what that sounds like. Yeah. We should all learn, go to uh, Vanessa Hudgens Acting School. I think it'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you there. At the University of Austin. <laughs> You asshole. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it, it was apparent in Hodorowsky's Dune that he clearly has um, a lot of love and respect for his father, yeah, and that's one of those things. Like, I, I that's this is often said about David Lynch. People like Laura Dern um, are subjected to like really grotesque stuff on screen. A lot of times, like rape scenes and things like that. You haven't even seen Inland Empire yet, right? Yeah. And, but they keep coming back and working with him again, and it's because like he's just a really sweet man that has a lot of like care and compassion for his actors. Trust, man. There, there's trust, right? And I think that's the case with Hodorowsky, even though the guy is an absolute lunatic. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, they, him and his sons really do have a. A strong and palpable relationship. Uh, and I, I just can't get over... I mean, there's so much love in this movie. Yeah, and yeah, the, yeah. like, I think about a movie like American Honey, the Shia LaBeouf semi-autobiography, where Shia LaBeouf plays Oh, Honey Boy, Honey Boy, yeah. American Honey is a, is a different movie. What is American Honey? I'm oh, sure. no, American Honey is the road trip thing. Yeah. Yeah, with... Okay. No, Honey Boy. Honey Boy, yes. Shia LaBeouf is an American Honey, though, correct? I think so. If we were playing the card game over there, you'd be screwed, bro. No. I would be. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. Look a lot of honey. Yeah, Shia, Shia LaBeouf is an American honey. Okay. Yes. So yeah, okay, that's why it's confusing. Right, Honey Boy. <laughs> uh, but that's a you know a movie about you know Shia LaBeouf's father and Shia LaBeouf plays his own father in it, and it's uh, you know one of those. It's honest. It's true because it's his real life, but it certainly doesn't pull punches at depicting his father as an asshole. And for a while there, you think this movie's going to be a this boy's life uh, sort of, you know, De Niro and DiCaprio thing of just like the father is emotionally and physically abusive. And that is a lot of this. Sure. But then at the end, you have this arc. And, and I think that's I like what you said before, Nick, when you say this movie is just life because it does sort of go down corridors that you don't expect it to go down. It's like, oh, we're going to go in this room and check out what's going on here. And we're just going to spend time with his father taking care of horses for a half hour. And then, oh, right. we're going to go down this route with, with his like friend in the red shoes. Like it's, it's one of those movies that sort of bobs and weaves in and out of a lot of different stories. And by the end of it, it, it feels like Hodorowsky couldn't help himself but give his father that happy ending because he does have this love for the man and he does i think a lot of it's aspirational too like this is the man that he wishes his father was yeah you know this is how he wishes it turned out uh and i think that was the stuff that kept like 
affecting me is at the end, you know, when the son keeps coming back, you know, and the father's given this heroic moment and also some tragic moments too. the scene where he's with the, the short woman that mm. paints his arms, the colors of the Chilean flag. Yeah. And like, he's like <laughs> sobbing because she's fallen in love with him and he has no idea who she is. Yeah. And like, it, there's, there's so much pathos here. Yeah. There's so much pathos. And that's what I always bump up against weird for weird sake. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things you can say about the last couple seasons of Lost is it's just weird <laughs> right. for weird sake. Nico, I'm just going to be honest. You go to Lost way too many I times. Do. Well, <laughs> Lindelof, really I think, is the biggest violator. Damon Lindelof, I would say, is the biggest violator yeah, of this yeah. rule. Is It's just weird to be weird. Mm-hmm. And there's no emotion behind it. And here, it's it's not. And that's one of the misnomers about David Lynch. And it's one of the misnomers about, about uh, Hodorowsky as well. He's not a just a weird filmmaker he's more than that well it's, he's it's almost like he's like responding to his own emotions too which yeah. means they're coming from a real place you mm-hmm. know he has a feeling about the way he recalls his past and then he visualizes that somehow like the first time he sees a dead body you know yeah and sort of how that emotionally affected him and it's this horribly chaotic scene where they're you know going to a fucking dump and yeah. they're wearing those nazi helmets yeah <laughs> it's just really odd and nothing seems to make any sense and it ends with like the most tragic thing ever and then the boy faints in the middle of a of of a of a uh, a parade. Well, well, I guess it wasn't a parade. It was a funeral procession. Sure, but then he's being watched by those people with the skulls. Yeah, dude, when the star that, starts crawling on his face, yeah, I know. To suffocate him. Indelible. Yeah, indelible. Yeah, and it's one of those instances where sometimes you don't always know why it works, but yeah. it, it works. It definitely works. You're definitely moved by it in exactly the right way. Yeah, like, it's like irreplaceable. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Should we get to the plot of this? Oh yeah, I think we've said enough positive things. Yeah, guys, I, 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 this is the movie that made me say, "Yep, Hodorowski is one of my faves." Seriously, I really, really, I think this movie's incredible. Your homeboy. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna struggle with the plot here. I'm, I might need some help. Okay, that's fine. I mean, this is like. Uh, I'll explain to you why his mom's always singing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't why even is, know. Why it. is she always singing? Okay, so the history behind that is uh Hodorowsky, you know, you know, this relates back to his childhood, of course. Um, and his mom had aspirations to always be an opera singer, always. And it was, you know, she used to sometimes call his name in sort of like a, you know, this this sort of singing operatic tone. Um, so, it, but of course, she was forced to make clothes for the rest of her life. So, but so he thought it was important, to, uh, almost as like a, you know, he almost felt uh, obligated to almost make that part of her soul. So as a result, she sings every line and it's just part of who she is, even though she's not, you know, doing it, you know, in front of every, it's, I mean, she is doing it in front of everybody, but you know, in the real world, she's not, you know, and that's kind of that idea. Yeah. So she's in a musical while everyone else is in a yeah, drama. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I loved that. I absolutely oh, I lo- loved that touch. Well, you, again, it's another one of those instances. You will watch it to anyone who watching this first. They're like, what the fuck is this? What, what's, what's going on? And it's just like, no, just see, I, I think so. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's just my experience with Hodorowsky at this point, but I, I truly believe that this movie's, uh, the, the metaphor mm. or all of the metaphors in this movie are much more approachable. Oh yeah. I, 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 I think that's agree. what I was trying to say earlier. Yeah. All of them are much more approachable. And as much as like the movie just stands out as like, all of these choices seem strange. You can also like immediately uh, recognize the emotion or yeah, the drive yeah. behind that choice. 
I completely agree. Or you, you know? at least trust that there is a drive there, even if you can't identify it. Well, right. it, there's a semblance of intentionality. Again, it's another right. one of those instances where it's like, I'm not sure Hodorowski knew every single like reason behind, like it, for like I said, for example, even the starfish or something like that. You mm. know, it's not like it's not like he could easily explain all the imagery to you right off the top of his head. But the fact that it comes from that real place of emotion means that there is something going on there, and that's what's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So it, people should story- watch this movie. Yeah, if they're yes, listening yes. to this without having seen it, I mean, I feel like it, this conversation doesn't mean anything well, to you if you haven't seen it. It's it, one of those things you can't really describe. It sucks, though, because I'm serious, though, guys. Like, it's a hard movie to recommend just to anybody. It really is. Obviously, if you're listening is. to this, though. But, yeah, but okay, sure. If you're listening <laughs> to this show, yes, guys, you, it's this is something else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Nick. Uh, so, no, yeah, so it's, as we said before, it's it's essentially the story of his childhood, his father's life um, in uh, Chile, right? Mm-hmm. And his father in this, and I, I, one thing I have to wonder is how much of this is true? I, it's, it is a little tough to say, but his father, I believe, is a, a communist, right? <laughs> sure. Well, yeah. He's part of like the Communist Party in, in Chile. An anarchist, um, I think you might describe him as at well, the time. Well, yeah, this is, this is not like... The government is not communist at this point, right? So they're kind of revolutionaries. Sure. Uh, I I think, yeah, I think... uh, Or or like an alternative party or something like... Uh, Chile at the time is is under the rule of a of a fascist dictator, and it's around right. the same time as World War II and the rise of Hitler. I think it, it's one of those things where dictators and tyrants were all the craze you know <laughs> it was just the hot thing to do yeah. is you you put a dictator in power well they were meeting right. up and having like collective dinner parties and stuff like that right like, well, i got an idea to rule the world exactly yeah. so you know everybody was deployed in their <laughs> in their own countries and uh yeah right and um you get the impression that he comes from a more well-off family his um his also his family's jewish right Yes, mm. and not many of the families in the area are. So he has to deal with that sort of ostracization. Um, and then because they're Russian, right, by descent, or at least his mother is. Well, yeah, well, I, I believe it is the mother who is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So right off the bat, doesn't fit in. He's wealthier than everyone. His dad is um, a political figure, essentially. I mean, it doesn't really matter what party at this point. But um, and this boy is just dealing with all sorts of. Um, ostracization from the younger kids and he is uh finding kindness only from the strangest sources including like you know the the armless people which hodorovsky yet again brings back um, a ton More of people sans limbs people yeah. sans yeah. limbs that is a crazy moment where brontus kicks the quadrupedal what, what, what would you call it? quadriplegic quadriplegic he has sure. no arms no legs sure and he just kicks the guy over like like a sack of whatever yeah well, and, and you just, gotta you gotta imagine that brontis has known that guy for like 20 30 years like <laughs> yeah, yeah they're prob- all pals probably <laughs> i mean like Odorowski has, de- has befriended all the armless and legless actors in the world <laughs> for real <laughs> but yeah. when you're when you're reminded that these the characters that these are the, who they're playing are uh mining victims who, mm-hmm. who got their limbs blown off by fucking dynamite yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like it just sets a whole new perspective for that moment again not weird for the sake of being weird yeah you gotta wonder who the original armless guy was mm-hmm. you know 
Who was the guy that Hodorowsky met when he was like 10 years old that started all of this? Yeah, there must like, have been someone, right? Yeah. Because that is such a specific moment where this guy comes up to you with, you know, as, as he says in the movie, stumps for arms. Right. And you share an ice cream with him, you know, and, you know, he just asks you to scratch his back. Yeah. Or he doesn't ask. He, he volunteered. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's obsessed with figures like this. He's got to well, be part I, of the I think childhood. they represent, yeah. I mean, he must have seen somebody like that once, but I think it really just represents like the people left behind. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. And yeah. and he, he always uses them for the same theme or motif or however you want to say it. Yeah. Um, well, there's something I think he finds pure about them too. Like they're, yeah. you know, they're they're damaged and they're outcasts and therefore there's something sort of holy about them. You know? Yeah, well, I certainly haven't been affected by the more <laughs> corporate forces that Hodorowski is so critical of in this movie. That's yeah. for sure. They don't give a fuck about money yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> at this point anyway. Right. Um, and yeah, his, his father is just like, uh, obviously, as we said, like pretty abusive and, um, you know, sees him talking with this person and begins to like beat him and kick the guy away. He says, get out of here. Um, and they, the movie begins with like his father essentially teaching him how to be a man. Uh, they cut off his hair. He has these like long golden locks. <laughs> I love this scene because he go his dad forcibly takes him to the barber and they go to cut his hair off and they like snip it and he screams in pain and says it actually hurts. Mm. And then they pull a wig off of him and you see yep. a wig, a full ass wig. You see it <laughs> and then it just disappears into nothing. And his hair is now short, but also a different color completely. (laughs) And it's curly. It's right. You wonder if was his mother actually putting him in these wigs or was that his actual hair? Like, you don't. That's a good question. Yeah. I don't know. But I I think I think it's supposed to represent obviously like his grandfather and his mother sort of wanted him to be this thing. Yeah. But it's Mm -hmm. not really who he was. Mm -hmm. And he tried to be that for his mother, but his father wouldn't let him kind of, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. It's interesting. Um, Do you want to talk about the mom for a second? Well, I want to continue talking about the things he does to this boy. <laughs> okay. okay. There's so much to say about the mom. Yeah. yeah. We can have a whole conversation about her. Um, but, like, he, he he literally, like, is slapping his son until blood comes out of his mouth, breaks his tooth. They go to the dentist. He forces him to not take any of the uh, <laughs> drugs. While he's getting dental surgery, so, so he feels crazy. all the pain. I mean, absolutely just horribly abusive, but to teach him how to be a man. And the and worst of it all. Tickles him. <laughs> tickles him. He tickles, tickles him. With a I feel like I was bed. watching Tickle. Do you remember that? <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> feather <laughs> out of thin air. <laughs> that was a great little Don't <laughs> laugh. Visual Hold it in. God, that's um, so weird. Yeah, but like, again... You see these horrible things, but, like, you don't get the impression that there's any resentment of his father, really. Yeah. It, Not really. It, it kind yes of is just like, no. this is how it was. Right. It's presented that way. Right. Right. And he doesn't pull punches. I mean, there is a real innocence to it. Mm-hmm. Where it's like I don't really know how I how I feel about this, and Maybe does it really okay. matter? I mean, I'm just going to ask and tell the story. Feel a certain way about it, that's the thing. Yeah, he's yeah. not asking you to feel a certain way about. It's just this is how it was. This is what mm-hmm. I lived through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this on, is you know? what it means to me. But like how I come down on it, you know, in this sort of positive negative binary is not really relevant. Like it does. It's right. it's besides the point to classify it in those terms. That's true. 
you know? It took something away from it no matter what, whether or not it's good or bad. So it sort of shaped who he was. Right. But make yeah. no mistake, the guy is a, oh. a very abusive father. Horrible. Mm-hmm. Horrible father. Horrible dad. Really bad but dad. But at the same time, you see him uh, sacrifice a lot and do things for, uh, you know, some sort of greater good. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are tons of people. Uh, there's like a plague at one point, right? Oh, God. And these people are being stranded on a beach by like the the dictator uh, of the country and uh, basically just saying like, you have to stay here. You could all die. And he comes over and brings them water, you know, with he goes out of his own way to do this. Yeah. Um, he's a part of the volunteer firefighter uh, group in the city, you know, mm-hmm. so his father is not a wholly bad guy. I don't think we're ever supposed to believe that he is. Yes. But the at the end of the movie, what his mother exposes about him is that he's a, I think, a, a self-proclaimed martyr that has a lot of the qualities in in himself that he right. resents in other people. In a tyrant. And, right. yeah. that, and that's She compares him to Stalin thing. and she compares yeah. him to the fascist leader of Chile. Uh, Carlos Ibenez. Mm-hmm. Right. Ibenez. And, uh, and yeah, he, he, well, I mean, not to skip to the end, but like, yeah, at this point, as his father's realizing it and kind of coming to grips, she gives him a gun and he shoots his own photograph. Mm-hmm. Um, not the other two, you know? No. So. Yeah, and I think that's also like really interesting political commentary too. Mm-hmm. The idea that like to fight fascism, you uh, you turn to a communist dictator, oh. right? <laughs> and like, yeah, kind of two halves of the same coin on that one. Hey Nick, you know what it reminds me of a little bit? Reminds me of what? Dune. Reminds Dune, a little, bit, a little bit of Dune in a way. Ooh. Yeah, in, in order to fight those big guys, you got to turn into something a little crazy, and then they you got to let loose a jihad, a little jihad, <laughs> and then you get to the second book, and those heroes are fucking assholes. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Nico's camera's off for me right now, so I can't okay. see him rolling his eyes. But I'm he's sure not rolling his eyes. He's just no. See, he's just accepted it. You know, just like Hodorowski. He's just, just like Hodorowski. Just like, just like that was poor it, kid. Was it when? <laughs> was it when uh, Zach didn't take your side? Is that when you gave up? Oh my god, that was great. <laughs> it's like I'm done. I can't do it. That was F- the end. Fucking Dune. <laughs> uh, why the hell isn't my camera working? I don't know. I think it's just bandwidth. It's fine. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. So also like his father, you know, has multiple opportunities to like actually assassinate this Chilean fascist or even just let an assassin- assassination happen, just not stop it. But he goes out of his way to like not exactly fight fire with fire, but he wants to hurt him in other ways. Like he tries to become his horse groomer just so he can have the guy's horse die. Because he loves his horse so much. Like, it's just, he's a very interesting figure. Yeah. Well, and I took that as like, he, so the assassination attempt was going to fail because the gun jammed. Mm-hmm. So he like saw it as an opportunity, like, oh, this is how I can get within the inner circle. This is how I'll be able to get my shot. Yeah. You know what I mean? But he talked about how he's like, I found his weakness. It's, it's he loves horse. his horse more than anything else. He talked about that before the assassination attempt ever failed. Right. So it almost kind of implied that, like, that was the plan. And yeah. didn't he also, he had his hands on that guy's gun before the guy got to use it. So, right. Yeah, I believe so. I, you know. Oh, that's a good I, Oh, yeah. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. 
I kind of get the impression that was the plan. Well, they have that conversation before where they're fighting over who gets to kill him. Yeah, and, right. And is the other anarchist played by one of Hodorowsky's sons? I think it's his grandson. Okay. Well, the first grandson, yeah. And yeah, he essentially says, I'm younger, I want to go down in the history books, mm-hmm. you know, and it ultimately uh, devolves into this conversation about revenge. Right. And uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I wonder. That's that's interesting. Maybe like he did sabotage it, so he got to be the one to pull the trigger. You don't. Really well, and you know, could argue but... that you could argue that it was politically expedient for his father to get rid of that guy because there are multiple scenes of that guy causing troubles for yeah, them with internally. <laughs> that's so. like a Joker esque plot where it's like oh, he has to kill him. <laughs> you know, no, no, but these, are, but yeah, these yeah, are all but, details that I don't think Hodorowsky yeah, really concerns himself with. No, no, it's like you know? how? Oh, I I understand. There's this dog parade where they're dressing these dogs <laughs> up as fucking kangaroos, and anybody would kill themselves at the sight of that thing, right? <laughs> The fucking dog parade, dude. I love that they have a prize. I love that they have a giant golden bone and a giant lead Le- bone. For fucking worst lead. cost. The and it's also give- like, how heavy is that? Oh how my much, God. How toxic is that? <laughs> Just give it to your dog. Kills the dog. Right. <laughs> I love that it's a prize for the worst costume. <laughs> they only have two prizes. We only have two prizes. Best and worst. <laughs> so funny it's like my fucking superlatives from high school i'm just like i just i just got these these ones that are meant to make fun of me more it's so funny (laughs) that's one of those details that i can't help but think is completely made up for the sake of i don't remember what the competition was actually for and it doesn't fucking matter so i'll just make it a fucking dog costume party like you know (laughs) there's no way that was an actual thing guys it's kind of like it with that's what i'm saying think about it totally bullshit yeah that's right it's totally bullshit (laughs) (laughs) kind of like it with taddies so by the way defeo got a hold of me oh no oh yeah is he upset oh no very upset to have lost the pots and pans but i told Uh, him listen it it was a surging campaign that they ran you know they really came in hot what a year for them you know he was close wow what a year for the pots and pans. But when you really think about it. Here they are now. Yeah. <laughs> did you hear that? I did. Wow. Wow. You can't make this shit up. You can't, you can't make this shit up. That's amazing. Well, there it is, Joe. <laughs> well, there it is. <laughs> I say we give it to them next year just for that. <laughs> just for that. Oh my god. Uh, they'd been waiting all all show. Wow. For their curtain call. That's great. <laughs> That's funny. Well, DeFeo, this is why you lost, man. I don't know what to tell you. Three time Yo. with Taddy Loser. <laughs> you gotta be in my kitchen every week, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you'd understand after that. That was that was glorious. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> Go, Michaela. <laughs> so what happened here? Well, so so I, I think we kind of talked about the father's plot line enough. Can we talk the about point. the pissing? Can we talk about the pissing? Oh, we got to get there. You talk about the plague? We got it. Well, he gets. Sure. Well, he gets the plague. Yeah. So when he brings the water to uh, those people, um, he contracts the plague and mm-hmm. he comes home and um, they lock up their shop. Uh. Alejandro's mother tells him, go in the bathroom, wash your hands and shut the door so you don't get the plague. And then uh, the people of the town are coming in and they're saying, open up. We have to get rid of you because you have the plague. You know, they're, they're basically holding guns to them. 
And his mother... Uh, Australia-esque. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Some uh, riveting commentary. <laughs> you know, I was really reminded of the Melbourne protests when I watched this. <laughs> It's really those, are, those Aussies, <laughs> am I right? Down Shrimp under. on the Bobby. <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> I just think picturing a hundred protesters just saying Crikey. <laughs> Crikey. There's some topical political humor for you all. Well, that's not a knife. <laughs> it's weird. An island nation that can survive every uh, venomous spider and snake known to mankind. Uh, what a little COVID. Too scary, huh? Well, you get the sniffles <laughs> and you got a lockdown. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Um, so it's, this became it's, InfoWars really quick. Oh, let's get to Turn the, the pissing. Turn the frogs, gang. Let's get to the pissing. <laughs> get to the golden showers. Already. Please. Speaking of <laughs> modern so, day politics, he's on the ground. Um, it, she ripped off his shirt and he's covered in like boils and he's like has a fever. And so um, his wife uh, lifts up her dress and she's singing uh, to God and she starts pissing on him. <laughs> I don't Just think you're, properly, you're not properly setting this up. Here's the I thing. mean, he okay. spits. That's my favorite part is when he spits. Uh, we need to we need to properly set up how this was. <laughs> okay. She straddles him. Yes. Right. He's on the ground. She straddles him. And for a second there, you think, oh, she's about to make love to this sick dog man. It's this great, like very slow rise. And you're just like, okay. I mean, that's, you know. Interesting. She okay. can have sex with him. That's so fine. So she's praying to God and she's yeah. having sex. Uh, yeah, all right. I've seen it before. All right, Alejandro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, been there, done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, color me scandalized. It's right. all, It's almost as if he knew that we were going to come to that obvious conclusion. Yeah, it's like, all right, like, right get get on with it. Yeah, like, yeah. She's going to have sex with this dying man. She's going to get the plague, too. They're both going to die, and the kid's going to be an orphan. And right. maybe if she looks like she's pulling her dress down. We'll finally see this woman's boobs. Yeah, okay, all right, so <laughs> cool, man, whatever. There's By the- some weird Freudian shit we have to work out here, but... It's subtle. It's a little important that we talk about her boobs. Because Hodorowski thought it was very, very, very important that you she he hire an opera singer that has enormous breasts specifically for that. I mean, obviously, it would, it's got to be intentional. But he said this poor woman. He was basically like uh, in, in this interview. He was like, "My mother was a big breasted woman, big like this. <laughs> I needed to show that." <laughs> and it's. <laughs> She if, was they did, if the viewers didn't know how big her boobs were, they couldn't properly understand my childhood. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. Like, fair enough, right? Uh, I get so, it. yeah, Whatever. he. Uh, so, right. So, we have this moment where she's sort of riding on top of him, and it's like, okay, this is yeah. sexy. And then uh, we we pan down just a hair. We sort of zoom out to reveal the the. <sighs> The, the the entirety of the region? Yeah. Mm. Unbroken. There it is. <laughs> up. Unbroken. Up no, goes. No, I'm referring to the shot, Nick. It's uh, just. <laughs> <laughs> unbroken. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Strong as ever. <laughs> up goes the skirt. 
up goes the skirt. And apparently the cure for the plague is the same as the cure for a jellyfish sting. <laughs> I thought the same thing. And I mean, you <sighs> see a vulva and all. Yep. Whole thing. And I believe the actress is actually having a tinkle. That's my question. Okay. Oh, there, no, I think it's definitely that, real. Definitely it's real. It's almost certainly real. The only other way you would do it is you put a tube in the back of her, and it's like going down her butt crack. Right. And just sprinkling a little bit of no. it. And, you know, naturally the water's going to flow that way. That's and not what's happening. You're right. If you're going to go to all that <laughs> trouble, you're not going to show it. Yeah. 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 I, exactly. Right. And yeah. And they actually lay out Brontus there and. Brontus is just getting pissed on. Bear in mind, she's playing Brontus's grandma. That's right. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> so fucking weird. It's fair Bear point. that in mind. This is uh, grandma pissing on my beard. <laughs> and he spits it out. And then she keeps going. Um, <laughs> spit. He spits, man. God, it's crazy. She pisses into his mouth. But yeah. she literally is like singing to God as she's doing this. There's and it, it does not come across as sexual and it does not come across as perverse. It honestly comes across as like a religious experience. It really does. It does. It doesn't feel filthy. It feels it's, bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> it's also the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> was like, and then, well, no, the funniest part to me was all of this occurs. And then he's cured. <laughs> yeah. And then they cut to the outside, the men holding guns at the garage door, and the door just lifts up, and he's just like in a perfectly polished suit, standing right. with a smile, like exactly. I they am li- cured. <laughs> they literally look like they're about to take a family portrait. Yeah, picturesque, so like funny. Sub- suburbia, it's so funny. you know, baby boomer, a la you know, nineteen fifties. You know, sitcom family. It's, it's a visual that you can't really explain. You have to it's see just, it. It's yeah. just so funny. There's there's a few like like and it is important to note this is a really funny movie as well. And there is there's a few like just great I'm just bursting out laughing moments. There's the sex scene where I where um uh Jamie is is having sex with the mom, of course, and she's you know, you know, orgasming yeah, it, and yeah, singing at the same time. It's so fucking funny. But but it, to to make this connection, um, ironically, the other funniest moment for me is when Brontus is peeing on the radio. Yeah, because I didn't see it coming. Right, and that I thought like you're gonna pan up, but then Brontus just whips out his dick after he's put the thing in the toilet mm. and he just starts pissing all over it, and it blows up, and it blows and then, up, yeah, and the static so and the, <laughs> and it's like <laughs> he he shakes his dick, he puts away, and so I was like, it's like that, that they and actually be, did this shit. <laughs> <laughs> fuck my covid cough it is <laughs> fuck it's so um, fucking funny i can't it's just well oh he's like God, listening to the he's listening to the fascist dictator yeah. talking on the radio mm-hmm. so it's also like a nice bit of like political commentary it's just it's it's just so perfect but it's just yeah exactly there, there's a again there's a reason for it it works and it, it's it's funny but like it's also just the way it's shot it's like this very yeah. even flat wide and it's it's it it, it it's got to be comedic. It's got to. It's one of those moments mm-hmm. where it's like that was definitely comedic. But like, mm. uh, this guy just kicks my ass. I like because I'm just like I'm just like yeah no. Even for Hodorowski, he's not gonna do that, and then he does it. <laughs> what, what were your thoughts on the mom's performance here? Well, it's, I, it's a. Intri- I actually, 
Are you going to come down on it because she's doing a musical thing again? No, I, I, she's a trooper. I mean, there's, there's, that's a, yeah, she's a trooper. I was going to say, I, how could you say anything bad? I can't really say anything through. bad in good conscience. There's a lot of nudity in this, man. Yeah. Like, she just is, I mean, there's a scene where, and again, it, 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 it's kind of creepy, but not in the execution. It's, again, one of those things you describe it, and it's like, ugh, I'm very Sounds uncomfortable. Sounds terrible. But, but yeah. th- there's, a, there's a scene where uh, the son, uh, young Alejandro, is uh, afraid of the dark yeah. in some way. And so in order to comfort uh, uh, her son, the, the mother comes in, and it's like, we're going to play hide-and-seek with the darkness. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to paint you with, like, shoe polish, and you're going to be fully black as though mm-hmm. you are, you know, coming from the dark. And I'm going to strip down naked and go hide around the corner, <laughs> and you're going to come find me and consume me as well with darkness, and I'll paint myself in all black, and then we'll both be invisible. It's like a Jeffrey Epstein skit. <laughs> oh, was he on Mad TV? That's Jeffrey right. Epstein. That's it. It's like this week idea. on Mad, our host <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it, it's uh, it's creepy, but also like kind of moving. And then she goes to a bar. To, like, prove that she is, in fact, invisible. No one can see her and hear her. And she strips down naked and just walks around the bar to just be like, see, nobody even notices me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this, this woman's a trooper. Good for her, man. Yeah. I love how you said, like, he was looking for an opera singer. She is, so, yeah. so she's just an opera singer that was totally game for all of this? Yeah. Incredible singer. Yeah. Absolutely flooring singer. Yeah. Uh, but she has to do a lot of interesting stuff. Yeah, it's, and, she, yeah. and she also has to fit the right figure. That is very important, according to <laughs> right. Hodorowsky. Yeah. One, one thing that's interesting and we haven't really mentioned is the fact that, like, I mean, this movie was made in Chile, right? Mm-hmm. It was made where, in his hometown, I believe. R- right. His original films were not because they were he was in a lot of uh, trouble when he made his original films, right? Didn't he have to make them in Mexico instead? Oh, yeah, I think that's yeah. right. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like his movies were banned in Chile originally, mm. El Topo and um, the Holy Mountain, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's I guess just nice to see forty years later that he was able to actually like return home and be recognized and you know do this type of the same type of stuff, but yeah, you know yeah. not be ostracized for it as and much. He, and he does it again with the sequel to this movie. Yeah, yeah, there's a sequel to this movie. That is apparent. Some people think it's even better. Which oh my god! I, I, it's hard for me to believe that, but like Jesus. Well, we'll be watching it very soon. Yeah. So next no week need to worry. Yep. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> are, are, we're not going to do dirty work. Maybe. <laughs> do you want to do? Do you want to do dirty work, Nico? In in more ways than one, Adam. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Interrupting this this year's Horowski Hanuary is uh, Bob Saget week. <laughs> Bob Saget week. <laughs> Oh god. Yeah. You know my first introduction to Bob Saget was actually Dumb and Dumb Err. I've never seen Dumb and Dumb Err. So there's a scene in that movie where Harry comes over to take out Bob Saget's daughter and he goes upstairs and he like flails chocolate everywhere, like melted chocolate and yeah. it looks like shit. Yeah. And then he like exits through the window or something like that. And then Bob Saget comes up and he just says, there's shit everywhere. There's shit everywhere. And he just says that line like 20 times. <laughs> it's just Bob Saget saying shit over and over again. 
Oh, what a legend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like 12 or something. Yeah, I, I, I think that's basically all I had about this this movie. I, it's one of those things you kind of have to just watch and be enamored by to truly understand it. Um, yeah, I think a lot of this stuff, as we say it, is shocking, and it truly is. But when taken as a, in its totality, when considered as a piece of art, mm. uh, yeah, this guy's just one in a million. One in a million. I know. Do you have it's, any other notes, Nick? I, no, not not nothing in particular. I, you know, this is one of the few times where I, I totally do feel like underqualified to even discuss something. Like it's it's mm. anytime we watch Hodorowsky, it's just like it's, t- no. it's an experience, you know. And I don't think it's very easy to measure. Yeah, I agree. You just have to, you know. You just have to sit with it. You just have to experience it. And, you know, it doesn't really matter what you think, I guess, at the end of the day, you know, but it's great. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't recommend this movie to Rob because Rob doesn't read. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That, that uh, so if you don't read, uh, fair warning, this movie's entirely in Spanish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, lifelong ban on the on the written word. That's yes. Rob's <laughs> philosophy. So he doesn't watch anything with subtitles. He doesn't watch anything with text on the screen. Like if if a if a a sports team plays one another, and he, he would never know who's playing because he's not reading. You know, on the, on the he box. always just he has to memorize up. the score. Right. He just keeps track as it goes. <laughs> if he gets up, if he gets up for some chips and he misses a play, he's just fucked the whole game. He doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. What happens when teams who have like similar colors like do like the reverse colors? You know. Oh yeah, forget uh, about it. Can't Adam, don't even out. get me started when they switch sides. Oh no! <laughs> it's a nightmare. <laughs> Damn! How does he go shopping? That's unfortunate. Nick, you excited about your Bengals? <laughs> oh God! I'm I'm thrilled. Yeah, we're taking we're it in home. it, baby. We're in it. We're in. Uh, your bet is you should have kept that one, Adam. It I turns should've. out you should have kept that one. That's okay. Bengals have a home game. Their only home game is coming up. So, uh, just in case you're wondering what the traffic's all about on Sunday. <laughs> What's their record currently? What are they? Uh, Very they, good. Uh, they are in the playoffs. All right. Record schmeckered. It don't matter now. It's, it's all about winning the big one. But they're you. You told me recently that they are. Uh, they got paired against essentially the worst team. I would say so. Yeah. Besides them, <laughs> <laughs> the worst team besides them. Well, uh, it, it was going to be the Patriots uh, until the Raiders won the other day. It was. I won't even begin to describe what happened on Sunday night, but there was a scenario where the Chargers and Raiders played each other, and had they tied the game, both of them would have made the playoffs. But if only one of them won the game and the other one lost, only one of them would have made the playoffs. So there was a scenario where both of these teams, it would have behooved them not to even try to win the game. (laughs) Uh, But they did try to win the game, both of them, and it almost ended in a tie accidentally wow it was one of the more bizarre things i've ever seen in sports where there's two minutes left in overtime and the announcers are asking why are you running any plays you should just take a knee right now and end the game and not try to win (laughs) very bizarre but the raiders did win anyway with two seconds left on the clock everyone's rooting for a tie and it doesn't happen uh and uh so now uh, you guys don't have to play the patriots or the chiefs or the Bills. Um, in fact, if you win this round against the Raiders, you get to play the Titans, who are the one seed, but they're kind of a weak one seed, and you get to avoid the winner of the Bills-Chiefs game. 
who are, in my opinion, are the two best teams in the AFC. So you really only got to beat one like real opponent, Nick. Wow. I love it. Now you could lose to the Raiders Sunday and that would. <laughs> oh, that could very well everything. happen and probably will. Yeah. With the Bengals history of getting people excited and then letting them down. <laughs> Yeah, Bengals had like five straight playoff losses for a while. They were like, they made the playoffs every year and lost in the first round, I think, five straight times. Oh, no. Maybe it was. Yeah, they are, they, yeah. I mean, it's it's just constant chatter out here is always about how like people get excited and then stop talking to each other after they lose. So Saturday at 4 30, Nick. Saturday at 4 30, Bengals four and a half point favorite, five and a half. I like them. I like their chances. I like what's going on over there in Ohio. It's an exciting time to be from Cincinnati. Uh, okay. <laughs> Anything else? Nah. All right. Uh, do we have to play Drew Carey? I don't. I don't have anyone. Oh well. I get. You know what? Man. What? It's how many Drew Carries. Uh, let's do Bob Saget. Bob Saget. We're not going to do him next week. Oh, <laughs> let's do oh, Bob Saget. You know. All right. Oh, okay. All right. All right. By the way, we should do the Aristocrats for Documentary Month. I just had that thought. Oh, okay. I have a few documentaries lined up actually that I would like to do. So I am cool. excited to pick that up again. I would love. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Nico. But for Documentary Month, I'd love to get Nick to watch Dear Zachary. That's not good. It- that's not a good idea. That's a bad sure idea. It what is. would be the point of that? There's no point. Well, I mean, it would just be a fucking wet blanket of a show. How do you know? Because I've seen the movie. Well, so have I. You, you, we're going to like, we have like good Dear Zachary material. Have you been working on a tight 15? Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> You've been workshopping Dear Zachary jokes? I'm always just scrounging to get like a, like a really fresh, horrible reaction. Like I would just love to... St- like interview Nick about his feelings towards that fucking movie. <laughs> depressing, Adam. It's beyond depressing. It's not. It's not. That doesn't even describe it even close. Oh man, we're not doing that for documentary. Month. <laughs> I'm, I'm vetoing. I kind of like to talk I'm, about I'm, it one of these days. I'm vetoing that. Uh, okay, uh, Bob Saget. Okay, Bob Saget. It really is a bummer. Yeah, I know. It really is a bummer. Oh, what's the net worth of Mr. Drew? Uh, net worth of Drew carries $190 million. Is it? That is correct. I nailed it this time. I yeah. always forget it. This time I didn't. Guys, if oh. you think that Drew Carey is worth a unreasonable amount of money, mm. Bob Saget is worth an unreasonable amount <laughs> of money. All right. I am going to put him. I'm going to skip ahead of everyone here. I'm going to put him at 400 Oh, for from where, Nick? Nick? Where is this money coming he's from? He's not worth Disney. He's not- I'm I'm going big. I'm gonna say two Drew Carries. Oh Jesus! Uh, I'm going big. I'll go sixty. How about that? Sixty million. Sixty million. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. Um, he's worth um, he's worth a hundred million. A hundred million dollars. Cowards. Yeah. Guys, Howard's. where do you think this money's coming from? I don't know. Full House, baby. Full House, you know, America's Funniest Home Videos. Fuller House. Fuller House. <laughs> Dumb and Dumb Earth. The guy made dirty work, guys. All right, let's... <laughs> do not <laughs> underestimate Bob Saget. That's true. 
Uh, the actual net worth of Bob Saget, uh, a mere $50 million. Ah, that was my first guess. Sorry. Damn it. (laughs) Nick persuaded me, that asshole. Yes! Damn it. I, I swear to God. I did I sell it? Did I sell it good enough? Son of a bitch. I swear to God I was gonna say fifty million. Shit. All right. Victory's mine. Damn it. Listen, Rest you got you know, you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take, Adam. Yeah, I guess that's true. I took my shot and I missed. But yeah. I took it. <laughs> that's and I that's followed. the lesson, folks. I followed. <laughs> that's the lesson, folks. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, All right. Alejandro Hodorowski, I love you. Mm. We'll, we'll do. What's the sequel to this movie called? Endless Poetry. Endless Poetry. We'll do that sometime w- soon. What are these fucking movie titles? <laughs> this, <laughs> this guy's the best. It's good. It's this good. Guy's my, this guy's my dude. Yeah, I love him. Uh, <laughs> until next time, you've been so very, very naughty. Mm. No. no.